The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Obelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I know I did with the long weekend. Obviously, uh, not here yesterday. And uh, it felt weird not being in the studio on the Monday, but we did enjoy having the day off. So that was nice. Um, I did a whole lot of nothing. I did some laundry and I watched a lot of TV and sports this weekend. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I did. And it was fantastic so hope you all had a great weekend carter how was your weekend brother oh it was good it was good it was good to get to the, the day off yesterday obviously from the show um obviously the with martin luther king day uh an important day it uh, is. Yeah. national holiday and everything um but yeah it was fun to watch football there were so many great games oh it was um, awesome man besides that game last night that was yeah horrific but i guess that's the price you have to pay for three what four really good games mm-hmm. you get one game to start off the weekend that um had promise for a little bit and then i think the talent of one team kind of outweighed the other and then um i think the tom brady Tam- tampa bay buccaneers experiment not experiment the era is over yeah, well, obviously talking about the NFL playoffs, we're actually going to get into that in just a second. I know we don't talk about the NFL a ton on this show, uh, but I do think it's important because the NFL playoffs over the weekend were fantastic, and they were very exciting. We saw uh, an historic comeback in one game. We saw some really, really talented players from both sides. We saw an upset over the weekend. We saw multiple one-score games over the weekend. Excuse me. So just lots of lots of great games, lots of great results. Uh, it was fantastic. And we're going to talk about all of it coming up in just a few minutes. So if you want to talk about the NFL, if you want to be a part of the conversation, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us if you watch the games what you think about the games if you're a fan of one of the teams in the playoffs or not in the playoffs anymore let us know we'd love to hear from you carter your favorite game i know you watched them right i know you watched the games over the weekend of all of the games that happened between saturday and last night which one which one was your favorite uh well so i guess saturday uh jack and i didn't get to watch that chargers jaguars game we we flipped it on in the studio at the very end as uh we we were doing after the game um but that the dolphins bills game had to be the most fun because i just felt like nothing about it made sense right uh it was just a mess it felt like a game where the bills should stroll to a victory but you have Two interceptions by Josh Allen, the fumble uh, for a while there. Everything that could go wrong for the Bills was going wrong. The The offense felt out of sync there in the middle. Skylar Thompson, 
I guess it's not as bad as we thought it could be. Right. It wasn't good in certain stretches. There were a few stretches where I thought he made some here. He threw some good balls, um, but there were also drops all over the place in that game for both sides, especially the the Dolphins. I thought his uh, weapons didn't really help him that much, and you know, definitely a scarier game for the Bills than it should have been. Yeah, have been and close. and a lot of people have big money on the Bills or the, have the Bills as heavy favorites to come out of the AFC to possibly even win the Super Bowl. And a lot of people have backed off of that because of their performance against the Dolphins over the weekend. They do win 34-31, but they played a Dolphins team without Tua, and they still almost blew it and lost. So that was an exciting game. Uh, I think that the... I think the Bengals and Ravens game was very interesting because this was a game where Cincinnati was playing a Lamar Jackson-less Baltimore Ravens team and the Ravens made the Bengals and brought them back down to earth the Bengals are the other team out of the AFC that a lot of people have as a favorite to make another run at a Super Bowl and a lot of people have backed off of that a little bit because of their performance against the Ravens but the Ravens had the second best defense in the second half of the season behind the San Francisco 49ers who by the way are playing really, really good football right now. They're the really San Francisco good. 49ers may be the best team in the playoffs. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. And they're sneaky good, and they've been quiet all year. Nobody really talks about them, but here they are, and they take down the, the Seahawks on Saturday, 41-23 in easy fashion, right? Easy oh, fashion. Yeah. And I think quietly, they're the best team in the playoffs. I mean, I think you can definitely make that argument. I think that they feel like a team that figured it out. They um, started the season, when you look at it, they were 3-4, and four, not where you want to be, and they made the aggressive move to go get Christian M- McCaffrey. Who's they a had, stud. Oh, he's so good. They had the injuries at quarterback. They had to turn to Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, <laughs> and they've won, what, 11 straight games, I believe? 11? I think that's the uh, number. Is that the number? It's what it looks they like. Were, yeah, they were, they've won 10 straight in the regular season and then the first playoff game. They've been unstoppable. A lot of these games have been by a pretty big margin. Um, that would have that one Raiders game that was tight. Other than that, they've pretty comfortably kind of handled everybody in the stretch. I mean, they beat the Bucks by 28. They beat the Dolphins by 16. They beat the Seahawks by eight. Uh, I mean, they even beat the Chargers by six. It's just that Raiders game that was three. I mean, some of those are one-score games, but they went out and not only did they win 11 straight games, they beat a bunch of playoff teams on the way. And that defense is legit. And Brock Purdy may not be uh, the sexiest quarterback in the NFL playoffs right now, but he's playing pretty good, and he's playing well enough to where – He's doing his thing, and he had four total touchdowns on on Saturday, three passing and one rushing. And then you have Christian McCaffrey, who is still one of the best running backs in the NFL. The San Francisco 49ers are sneaky good. I think they're playing the best football right now, especially after you saw the Jacksonville Jaguars make the historic comeback against the Chargers Saturday night. Trevor Lawrence had a horrible game, but yet he comes back in the second half, has a great game, and this was a definite tale of two halves for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They come back, they beat San Diego, or LA, excuse me, I 
get in the habit of saying San Diego. But the Chargers, they lose, right? Jacksonville wins 31-30. to Then we talked about the Bills not looking all that great against the Dolphins. How about this? I just love this. My Packers may not be in the playoffs, but the Vikings were, and they get knocked out round one by the New York Giants, who are all of a sudden playing a little good football with Daniel Jones running the quarterback. Credit where credit is due, what Brian Dayball has has done with that team, with the limited weapons that they have, because they traded away Kadarius Toney. They had Wandale Robinson go down with injury. Um, they've got um, the, the big root receiver that used to be in Detroit that everybody wanted to be, Calvin Johnson Part 2. All of these guys have either gone down or been ineffective. Their number one receiver is Darius Slayton. You have Saquon Barkley, but who, it, it who had a great game? Slayton did on on uh-huh. Sunday. Had a great game, but it, he he did have a big drop. There he did have a end. really big drop that uh-huh. almost came back to bite the Giants, uh, but well, it didn't. When when you check down on fourth and eight <laughs> on the three oh, yard tight so end bad. flat route, it doesn't do a lot for you. You know how often that happens in football. I feel like we talk about this I don't think all it, the time. I don't think it happens that often. I think that it happens very often with a quarterback like Kirk Cousins. And then you just question and you ask, why? Like, you give yourself limited to no chance to pick up a first down when you do that. Game on the line, it was what, fourth and eight, fourth and nine? And you throw a four-yard check down to your tight end? Really? Mm-hmm. That's what we're going with? And you're taking him one-on-one with a DB for the Giants who made a great tackle in the open field, drew him out of bounds, and that was it. That was your ball game. Like, why not throw it at least past the sticks to where if the guy catches it, he gets a first down. Taking your tight end one-on-one to gain five yards after the catch? Come on, man. That's the, terrible. The fact that the Giants are able to play the way that they are with the fact that both of their number one and number two receivers, if you combine their stats, they barely crack a thousand yards. Mm. I mean, Darius Slayton had seven hundred twenty yards. Isaiah Hodges had like three fifty in the regular season. Uh, and you have Saquon, and Saquon's really good when he's healthy. He's unbelievable. He's a freak athlete. But Daniel Jones going twenty four of thirty five for three hundred one, two touchdowns, no picks, and seventy eight yards rushing. The leading rusher, by is the way, really really impressive I think that he's playing the best ball we've seen of his career and now if you're a Giants fan you've kind of had the question for the last several years and all these different head coaches that Daniel Daniel Jones has played for he might be your guy he might be it's crazy to say that and because there were they were getting to the point there in New York that If Daniel Jones didn't work out and the Giants didn't do something very soon, they were ready to cut him off and move on to somebody else. But he's got them in the playoffs. He got them a win in the playoffs, something that the New York Giants have not done in quite some time. Then you mentioned earlier the game last night, uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas wasn't even all that entertaining. It started extremely slow. Both teams uh, started with back-to-back-to-back-to-back four and outs, or three and outs. Uh, It was really boring and then all of a sudden Dallas woke up and Dak Prescott said hey doubters here I am and had a field day but the story of the night was the historically bad performance by the extra team or the special teams extra point unit for Dallas yeah you had Brett Maher uh miss the first four extra points that he kicked (laughs) in the game he went one for five on extra points for the entire game uh he had missed six total in his four years in the NFL 
Um, so he gave that a run for for its money. I think he was like 128 of 134 before that moment. Um, interesting. Definitely got the yips. You got to think Dallas <laughs> is going to try to get a a different kicker in this week before they play again. Um, something else I thought that was very interesting about this game, I saw Dan Orlovsky tweeting about it with ESPN. He had a theory, I don't know whether it's 100% true or not, that you saw the Cowboys going huddle up, or no no huddle, hurry up offense uh, so much there, especially in that first half when they really got rolling because Kellen Moore had figured out the defensive hand signals for the Bucks. And so he knew what their what defense they were going to be in based on their hand signals, and he could get the perfect calls in to attack that defense. And for a while there, mainly like that late first quarter, the entire second quarter, the Cowboys moved the ball with ease. Hmm, I, I didn't see that. That's interesting. Yeah. It would make sense though because they were they were having a field day. I mean, Dallas woke up. Dak Prescott looked fantastic. He was reading the defense. He looked in a rhythm that I've never seen Dak Prescott be in. Now, granted, the Tampa Bay defense is not all that good. That Tampa Bay team is that, not all that, that, that good. That Tampa Bay defense is supposed to be good. Supposed to be. It's. I think it's been good in stretches this year. I think it's, it's been it's, solid. Their issue is they've had really inconvenient injuries. Yeah. Uh, like and it started in camp when you had I think at one point three of the starting five offensive linemen went down with injuries before the first game. Yeah, like and when that happened, I think a fully healthy Bucks team might look different than what we saw this year. But they they had so many injury issues. Um, yeah, I mean Chris Godwin, it feels like he gets hurt once a month. Well, it doesn't help that their division is terrible, too. I tweeted about it last night. I said, if you're shocked by how poorly this Tampa Bay team is playing, they made the playoffs at 8-9, and nine, and the other three teams in their division went 7-10. and 10. So, yeah. I mean, they, they made the playoffs with a losing record. You can't expect them to be great, and the other teams that they play twice a year are not good either. So, yeah, Tom Brady looked old. He looked slower. He looked frustrated. He didn't he- get a lot of help. But he also didn't it he feels, didn't look like Tom Brady. It feels like this entire season he and Mike Evans have not been on the same page. Mm-hmm. There's moments where balls are uh like Brady's expecting him to like right there before half. Yeah. You've six seconds left, try to get a little closer for maybe a super long field goal or a Hail Mary attempt. Um Brady looks like he's expecting a quick out by Mike Evans. And he kind of just runs like a little like hitch. He just runs yeah. five yards, kind of turns around to the outside, doesn't make any effort to the sideline, really. And Brady throws it like it's an out, and it's three yards out away from Mike Evans, and it's incomplete pass. Yeah. You don't do anything when you have an opportunity there. Um, Late in the fourth were, quarter, there the, was, the toss down the sideline that Mike Evans had his fingertips on a touchdown pass. Yeah. Overthrown. Uh, there was by a little bit I think it was a decent ball I think it's just a tough catch and uh but Mike Evans being a guy who's what gotten a thousand yards every year of his career I don't know what he got this year um that's kind of a top five receiver kind of play you expect to be made um then I think about there was a play where Brady just threw way behind him incomplete in the first half and just they've been out of sync all year um this Bucks team, I just don't think is that good. I think you're going to see Brady move somewhere else. Um, you don't think he's done, though? 
I don't think no, he I is don't. either. I, no, I, <laughs> I don't think he is either. I don't I, think I, he's I see him in Miami. I've seen Miami. I've seen him in Vegas. I've seen Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting. We got to get to our first break, though. We're talking the NFL playoffs. I wanted to at least mention them a little bit, have a segment on it, because it was important. It was fun. It was a lot of fun watching the games over the weekend, and I wanted to talk about it, but here's kind of what the show's looking like today. I will have question of the day. We'll talk Auburn basketball, college basketball. We'll also talk Auburn in the NBA as some guys are making some headlines around the, the NBA. Later on, we'll talk Auburn football, and Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, will join us in hour number two. Come in and be a part of the show. 334-321-1390. More of the Tuesday edition of On the Line when we come back. the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here from 2 to 4. But uh, we just talked a little bit about the NFL playoffs and uh, we got into it a little bit before the break talking about Tom Brady, right? Because again, I know we don't talk a ton of NFL on this show. Obviously in this town, NFL is not massive, but Tom Brady is a big storyline. And the question the question now becomes is he done, right? Is Tom Brady done? Does he go to another team? You and I are sort of in agreement that he's probably not done. And the reason is, in my opinion, guys like him, they will go until the absolute wheels fall off. Example, Michael Jordan. Well, I just think that I think he realizes that this roster this year wasn't the same as they'd been the previous two seasons. Uh, he had a down year. Um, he threw for... 600 fewer yards, I guess, than the year before. Um, he, I think he may have set a, a career high in pass attempts. Yeah, he did. He actually threw, he threw the ball 733 times this year. Because that team can't run. Yeah. They literally cannot run the football. I think he thinks he still has more in the tank. He just needs to get to a team that can utilize that. Well, think about all the off-field stuff he went through, too, right? Divorcing his wife. And she, in that whole situation, right? I mean, I, I don't get into that sort of drama stuff, but he dealt with a lot off the field yeah. as well with his wife, his kids, and divorce and all of that. So that feeds into his play on the field. It has to, right? I understand that Tom Brady is, he's the GOAT, and he is uh, built different than most mentally when it comes to football, but Stuff like that off the field will affect anybody. He's still a human, right? So those things will affect him. And I think it did to an extent, but I just think he's getting older. I mean, the guy is 45 years old playing professional football. I mean, he this year he just didn't he didn't have a good offensive line. I don't felt I don't feel like he was ever really on the on the right page with his receivers. They couldn't run the football. The defense wasn't as good as it's been the previous two years. There's a lot of factors for why I think this thing cratered on itself. Uh, and and I think that going to a team like, when you look at the weapons that the Dolphins have, or you look at the weapons that the um, the Raiders have, I mean, heck, I mean, the Jets have pretty good young weapons too. I think the Jets makes a lot of sense. I think the Raiders make a lot of sense. I think the Dolphins would be, that would be a gamble, in my opinion, because... 
You would be you. I understand Tua is very injury prone. He's also very good, and you I would don't be. Think he's as good as as we think he is. I think he's a product of a really good offensive mind who apparently has issues with getting play calls in before delay of games. Yeah, uh, and he's a product of he has what the two fastest receivers in the NFL, and so I think that they they fit an offense to to his limited skill set and I think it worked for a long time but there were some stretches where it was really really bad which is fair but I also think looking at Tom Brady he is a he's a two three year rental max like he's not playing for much longer and I just don't know if the Dolphins now guy that's right. what he is for whoever picks him up exactly and so that's the question is are the Dolphins desperate enough to go into the win now or never mentality they might be because of the money that they're shelling out to some of the guys that they're paying right now. I think the Jets are in that that boat. I think the Raiders have enough talent to where they don't have to be, but they can afford a two- to three-year rental with Tom Brady. Here's the question, though. It's a two-parter for you and anybody that wants to call in. 334-321-1390. We're talking Tom Brady as the Bucks lose in the playoffs last night. Is Tom Brady good enough to win another Super Bowl? And does he win another Super Bowl? I think he is good enough to he's got to have the right situation around him I don't think he wins another one no I mean he's he's old he's he's old and the likelihood of that at this point is very low also when you look at Tua this season the first 10 weeks are awfully different than the last six weeks that's fair he fell off a significant cliff he started turning the ball over at a he, he had three interceptions thrown the first 10 weeks of the season and in that stretch had daggum near 20 touchdowns the last six weeks he had seven eight touchdowns and five interceptions Mm -hmm. and one of those games one of the games he did not have an interception was against the chargers when he went 10 of 28 for 145 and a touchdown Mm -hmm. like there were moments down the stretch where they make you think two is just not the guy and with his concussion and injury history do you want to risk that right Tom Brady's missed one year ever yeah and look I'm not saying that Tua is a franchise quarterback for the Dolphins but I do think he's solid and I just don't know if the Dolphins are wanting to punt on Tua to take the chance on a 45 46 year old Tom Brady for two years right I just don't know if if they're going to do that if they feel that the roster is good enough to win a championship right now I guess you would evaluate because I don't think Tua is the long-term answer. I think uh, I think you evaluate whether you believe Tua gives you a better chance to win a Super Bowl right now or Tom Brady because you're getting rid of both after a year or two right but, now in my mind. But here's my thing. I don't think Tom Brady's good enough to win it again. I, I really don't. I think, I, I think, I think he, in the right situation, he absolutely can. I But it's, it's going to be extremely difficult. Oh, well, yeah, no doubt. I just... Yes, if he goes to a team that just has stupid amount of talent like we've seen him do in the past, like he did with the Bucks the first time, right, when they did go and win it, sure, maybe. I don't think Tom Brady is good enough to win another Super Bowl again. I think he's just old. He's played for long. He's played for 20 years. He's 45 years old playing professional football. I think he's just a little too old now, and I think he's got a lot going on behind the scenes. I don't think he's good enough to win another one, which leads me to say I don't think he will win another one. He is going to continue playing, in my opinion. 
I want to see him go somewhere where he does have a chance because he is the greatest of all time, but I don't think he wins another Super Bowl, and I do think this kind of goes into Michael Jordan territory and just kind of fade now. I think he would kill it with Devontae Adams. I think they're both so cerebral. I agree. They would kill it. 30 minutes into hour number one. We'll talk Auburn basketball when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Eric, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How y'all doing today? Doing Doing fantastic, man. I'm doing good as well. Hey, just wanted to comment a little bit on Tom Brady. Yeah. And, you know, when they played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. when they had all that talent, the Chiefs were missing two key offensive mm-hmm. linemen. So they were playing with their backups. And so you could see what happened to Patrick Mahomes when uh, he, he, he was missing that lineman. Just like you said, I guess their O-line was not that well last night either. Um so my question is, or actually my comment is, I think the boy just needs to retire. Um, he was throwing balls behind receivers. He was throwing mm-hmm. balls in the dirt or in the turf. Um, his passing was not that great, I didn't think. Agreed. And I think just looking at him, just save the embarrassment, go out you know, now and just you know, kind of put it behind you and go to your $40 million a year or $40 million contract as an announcer yeah and, uh, yeah I, well yeah yeah i forgot about i forgot about them wanting him as an announcer which it obviously makes I'm sense really, i'm really curious about that because i really like greg olson i do too i think he's I really really good and i if tom brady gets gets in the booth and he's just not the same like oh, you're still paying him out because you signed him to this big deal yeah i mean and what experience does he have other than you know some interviews here and there maybe you know, filling in like Nick Saban did, you know, on the national championship game. Fair. Uh, what experience does Tom Brady really have to, to except for the name and, uh, of course, the GOAT, I guess the title, to do that? I right. Mean, be, yeah. be a flop. Yeah, yeah. You're, talking, I mean, you're talking on-air mic experience. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no guarantee I mean, we, that he's going to be great on the air, right? We I mean, watched uh, Jason Witten flop oh, really that was horribly really a, a few years back. I mean, I think that they they run through some mock games, kind of with I think Breeze may may have done that at one point. I think mm. Jay Cutler may have done that at one point. That would have been really fun. To well, have you had the the, the big success of um, Tony Romo at CBS. Yeah, yeah, and and you you run through you call some mock games for that. I'm assuming Tom Brady's done that, but I mean, who knows? Right. I mean, he's got all the experience, all the background, but wait till it comes, put a mic in front of your face. Right, and it's mm-hmm. no guarantee. You're right. There's no guarantee that he's going to be good. But yeah, Eric, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, for for me personally, I think it it's getting to that point for Tom Brady where again I compared it to Michael Jordan, right? When he came back and he went to the Wizards and he was just never yeah. the yeah. same, right? This is getting into that territory a little bit, and unfortunately, uh, Tom Brady. I don't think he's going to be done because those guys are just wired to so differently than everybody else, and they want to continue to go because they truly believe that they can still do it. And so I think that's where we're going to go for Tom Brady. Um, look, I hope he goes somewhere where he can have success. I'm not a huge Brady fan, but 
he is the goat, and you don't want to see him flame out. <laughs> right, I agree. Hey, thanks, guys. Have yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate the call. That is Eric joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, talking a little NFL football. We don't get to do it a whole lot, but uh, we appreciate him calling in and being a part of the show. We'd love to hear from you as well, 334-321-1390. But let's shift gears a little bit. We'll get into some Auburn basketball. Of course, uh, Auburn over the weekend. They take care of business against Mississippi State at home. Uh, wasn't pretty, and it looked good for a little bit, and then Auburn decided, well, we're going to let Mississippi State hang around in this basketball game, and they sure did. They let them hang out the entire 40 minutes, and Auburn does pull away and win at the end, but uh, was it the best game Auburn's played? No, no, it was not. I was um, disappointed. I don't think that the same edge uh was out there on the court for Auburn that we saw the previous week I think that maybe um this team coming back home kind of thought okay Mississippi State's not playing well we're back home we just got a road win at Ole Miss a place that Bruce at times has struggled in his career with Kermit Davis and you know maybe they let their guard down a little bit uh it felt like there were stretches in that game, even early when Auburn had like a double-digit lead. It felt – I looked at Jack here in the studio. We were prepping for after the game. I said, man, this Auburn team should be killing this mm-hmm. Mississippi State team. It Which is the conversation we were having at the arena as well. I was with my dad, and that's the game. That's how we felt afterwards. We were like, Auburn wins by six. They should have beaten that team by 25 or 30 points. Like, legitimately. They should have won that game by 25, and they didn't. They let Mississippi State hang around. They let a team that is horrible shooting the basketball. You think Auburn's bad. Mississippi State is terrible at shooting the basketball. They did not hit a three the whole game. They didn't Mm -hmm. hit a three, and yet they only lost by six. Yeah, That should tell you something. That should tell you how bad this game was for Auburn to only score 69 points and let Mississippi State score 63 without hitting a three-pointer. Both teams, by the way, I don't know if you guys talked about this or not, neither team shot a free throw in the first half. Yes, that was something that we we talked about uh, on after the game. Second half was a little bit different. I think you saw... um, State get to the free throw line 28 times yeah, in the second half. Quite a bit. To Auburn's 13, which is a little bit lopsided, if we're going to uh, say that, saying the very least there. Um, but the thing is, when I when I watched that game, and I just never felt like, I felt like Auburn lost focused and, focus and struggled to get that focus back. And at the end of the game, Jack and I had differing opinions on this. I said, if State shoots, if they have a bad night, a really bad night shooting the three, State wins that game. Uh, because if, And I said that you watch the shot quality Twitter account that mm-hmm. measures the shot quality of every shot in the game, and they give you uh, what the shot quality score should have been. A great account, Who should have won and all this. It said, based on how that game played out, Mississippi State should have won that game 83% of the time. Mm. 83% of the time. I just don't think Auburn played focused. I mean, Wendell Green, I thought he was fine. Um, He turned the ball over too much uh, early, at least. He had five turnovers for me. I didn't love that. Uh, And then you saw the most shocking thing, the 
go-to guy for this Auburn team for the last, what, month? Mm-hmm. Janai Baroom got bullied. Yeah. He got bullied. On both and, ends of the floor, Carter. Yeah, both ends of the floor. And I had people trying to tell me, oh, well, he was in foul trouble. He played 25 minutes, and he was, the of the of in his matchup, he was losing his matchup more times than not in his 25 minutes. Yeah. And, and I thought he didn't have any points in the first half. He gets the back-to-back and ones to open the second half. And ironically, he missed both free throws. Shocker. Um, but he he hit, I believe it was Tolu Smith, with the he's too small celebration. If you're going to do that, you've got to play better than six points, four rebounds, when the other guy has 20 and 10. Yeah. The other guy ate his lunch. On 8 of 13 shooting from the floor. I mean, 8 of was, 13. I was disappointed in Janai Broom. I really was, um, and, but I, you know, Jalen Williams shot saved lights you. out. Saved you. Yep. He got thirteen of the first fifteen points. Um, I f- my my one complaint with Jalen Williams is sometimes whether it's it's being impatient or it's he gets frustrated. He has some dumb fouls in about every game he plays, where it's like I don't know what he's thinking, and and when he fouled out. There were a couple of those that put put him over the limit for fouls and had him to go and made him go sit on the bench. If you have him the whole game, maybe you you distance yourself a little bit there at the very end. I mean, I think he sat the last two and a half minutes. Um, I don't know, man. It was it was but it, it was disappointing. Have, it shouldn't have come down to that. It shouldn't have come yeah. down to Jayla Williams fouling out and you're like, oh crap, here come the Bulldogs, right? I mean, it just. This game. Well, they were they were already coming back at that point, right? And exactly. It's, it's turnovers, the inability to get the ball in, God, um, and get it across half court. Like yeah, nobody wants to games, dribble. Two like, games in a row now. Wendell Green has a bad uh, lack of urgency, ten second violation called on him, and it's it's frustrating to see that happen. Um, I don't know. It's it. This was not Auburn's best performance. Um, and I think that they're going to bounce back this week. They got an LSU team that they're very capable of beating. And I hope, I hope that this was a little bit of a wake-up call, that, that you there are no breaks in SEC play. You have to bring it every time out there. Otherwise, I mean, even the worst team in the league can jump up and get you. Ask Kentucky about that when they let South Carolina, who had just lost by 43, Three yeah. to Tennessee coming to Rupp and beat them. And then South Carolina turned around at home again and lost by 41 to Texas A&M. It's, the SEC right now, man, is just so weird. There's one great team. There's one. There's one great team. There's one really good team that let another team beat them on their home floor. We're going to get into all that in just a little bit. And there's a couple good teams, and then there's just a whole bunch of question marks in the southeastern conference right now i just so auburn did a good job over the last few weeks the possessions were less stagnant they were less just there dribble, was flow dribble, on offense dribble the air out of the ball there was better ball movement you got better looks and the offense looked a lot better this game i think you fell back into it there were some several possessions that there was no flow there was no movement uh there might be with 10 seconds left on the shot clock 
a screener for Wendell, but nobody else is moving. Late passes to like I think there's one instance where Wendell makes a late pass to Katie Johnson on the three point line. He's got three second, three four seconds left on the shot clock, and Katie Johnson. Let's be honest, right now is the worst three point shooter on Albert's team. And and good things happen when he goes to to the rim. Instead, he took a he takes a really heavily contested three and airballs it. You told me that it skimmed the rim, and that's why Yoan didn't go back up with it. I'm pretty sure it did. Um, so, from I'll my give, angle, I'll give Yoan yeah. the benefit of the doubt there. From my angle at like the arena, that, that possession is really bad. It's so bad, and I'm glad you bring the offense up because that's exactly right. And that's what my dad and I were talking about at the game on Saturday was. Coming into this, the last three or four games, Auburn's offense had started to have a little bit of flow, a little bit of urgency, and a little bit of consistency as well. It was like on Saturday they said, yeah, to heck with all that. We're just going to go back to what we used to do and hope it works. And I just don't, I don't understand the inconsistency on offense for this team. You're exactly right about Jayla Williams. He saved you on Saturday. Yeah. If he doesn't do what he did, you lose that basketball And Wendell game. gets a little hot late. And, and yeah. the three he hit that essentially puts the game out of reach is a really bad it's shot. It's a bad shot. It's a really it's bad a shot. It's a logo three. It's a bad shot. I think there was plenty of time on the on the shot clock to get a better look. He hit it. Good for him. But it was a bad shot. And... And as he's as he's letting it rip from the logo, Jack turns to me and goes, "That's an awful shot." And then he hit it. That's exactly. Like, that's I, still an awful shot. I literally said, "No." That's what I said well, in the arena as I, he shot. I said, I, "No." And then, bam! Of course, he hits it. Everybody goes nuts. It's awesome if it goes in. Nine times out of ten, that's a miss. So that I mean that that reaction is me every time Katie Johnson shoots a step back three because credit where <laughs> credits due. I don't think I've ever seen somebody with the level of confidence that he is just a dead-eye shooter when he's not like Katie Johnson. It's unbelievable, He man. went one of two in the game uh, from three, which is better than he's been in a long time. I think I did the math. He's four for his last 23 from three. Gosh. That's dating from the Memphis game to today. That is 17.4%, but he's still shooting them. Oh, I mean, confidence, I guess. But at some point, you got to come to reality, man, and realize – Maybe me shooting a three-pointer is not what is best for this offense. Did you also see who returned on Saturday? Mr. ATM. He's back. Alan Flanagan had seven turnovers. Seven turnovers. I think Automatic turnover machine. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for three solid games, including two, one really good game and one great game over the three previous but I said this was going to happen. I said it was going to happen. When he became a starter again, it was going to go to crap, and it did. Well, I, I think that there is an element of he's playing some extra minutes. I think that in a game like this where the offensive flow is that bad, maybe he's looking to do too much. Uh, I think that th- this is indicative of Auburn's struggles on Saturday on the offensive end more than Allen. I mean, I I think I think if Auburn I think it played Auburn into it, no back, doubt. If Auburn gets back to who they were the previous, what, two three games? That's fair. I think that Auburn can p- 
play he will play a lot better that's fair well we got to get to another break we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on Auburn basketball's win over Mississippi State on Saturday 69 to 63 what are your thoughts on the win what are your thoughts on Auburn's performance what do you think about Auburn this week on the road twice we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we will wrap up our number one with more Auburn basketball talk when we come back On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Go with Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, talking about Auburn basketball uh, and just kind of giving our thoughts on it. Carter, the thing that stuck out to me was. Auburn's paint defense horrible yeah on Saturday well I mean Auburn just wasn't physical enough in this game and it was uh in a game like this against Tolu Smith against the big men that this Mississippi State team has you have to be willing to to um really fight and and show some um effort down low Mm -hmm. I think Chris Moore uh, gives you is something that's something you missed in this game without Chris Moore. Yeah, uh, because that's kind of the way he he plays. Um, he's a strong guy, uh, kind of a bigger, more physical three, an undersized four, but he's plenty physical. I was disappointed in the play of Dylan Cardwell and Janai Broom. Uh, I mean, I guess they go four of eight from the field, but the fact that those two combined in 40 minutes of play, have six rebounds. Yeah. Six. And the thing, again, all of Mississippi State's points were in the paint or at the free throw line. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's where they scored. And it's like, this team is historically bad at shooting. Mississippi State is. Historically bad. Yeah, they had had two points not in the paint or at the line. Which is a mid-range jumper. Yeah, that's all it is. It's a mid-range jumper. They literally proved to you they cannot hit a three, but yet Auburn could not figure out a way to stop them in the lane. My that when I came across the stat doing after the game, this bothers me to no end because I don't know where the player like even as a backup center in previous years, we've seen more out of Dylan Carwell than what we're seeing right now because. He played 15 minutes. Leor Berman played 13 minutes. Good minutes, by the way. Leor Berman had three rebounds. Dylan Carwell had two. That should never so bad. happen. That's never so bad. happen. I mean, that is that's the kind of thing that is frustrating. I don't think the big men in this game were up to the task. I don't think they were ready for the challenge of the Mississippi State big men. And Mississippi State decided, you know what? We're going to keep feeding our guys, and we're going to keep going down low. We're going to be physical. We're going to get in the lane with our guards, and we're, we're going to see what Auburn does about it. And Auburn did not answer the challenge well. They out-rebounded Auburn 38-32, 15-10 on the offensive boards, 23-22 on the defensive boards. The amount of times that Mississippi State had three and four shots per possession was ridiculous. It was yeah. unbelievable. There were multiple possessions in both halves where they had three different chances to make a bucket and they still couldn't do it. Well, in the first half, 
Mississippi State out-rebounded Auburn 20-14, to had tw- eight offensive rebounds and 12 d- defensive rebounds, and the effort just was not there for Auburn on the glass at all. At times, it felt like Mississippi State were the only guys going to the basketball. I mean, Leo Berman's first rebound of the game was on a, believe, a missed free throw or a missed mid-range shot, and he came all the way across the court and was the only Auburn player moving towards the basketball when he got it, and he barely got it before a Mississippi State player did going to, to the rack. Um, it was a performance that you are not exactly pumped about from Auburn, but I do think this was Auburn letting its guard down. I I am hopeful that they are back playing with that edge this week because you are on the road again, then you do get... Uh, you get LSU on the road, and you get South Carolina on the road, and, and as Jack and I joked about on after the game, apparently when you step on the court at South Carolina, you're already up 30. That's just the way that works, apparently. Don't tell Auburn that. Um, but, yeah, so this is this is a big week, especially if on Wednesday, if Auburn can get this win. This but, win. Yeah, the next couple of games are winnable for Auburn, and I put it on borderline must win for Auburn to have any momentum going into February and try to build a resume for March. That's it for hour number one. Stay tuned. Hour number two, we'll talk Auburn football, basketball, and with Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway right here on ESPN 1067. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on this uh, cloudy, rainy, dreary Tuesday afternoon. Good to be back in the studio. Uh, Carter, I did not address it, but I was obviously not here the second hour on Friday, but... <coughs> oh, <coughs> You are Excuse struggling me. today, my I just, friend. I just had like a, I don't know, something in my chest just now. Ow, that kind of hurt. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully I'm not dying over here. But uh, Friday was you, Zach Blackerby, and Jack Hutton. You guys did a great job. As I was on the road at Glenwood, Lee Scott won. The boys did. The girls uh, came Saw up that. short. But uh, boys did come out victorious on Friday. They're at Macon East tonight, so good luck to Lee Scott. We will not be there, but uh, good luck to them. Uh, but no, you guys did a good job on Friday. So it's nice to be back in the studio here on Tuesday. If you missed any of our number one, 
Uh, be sure to go and find the podcast. You can find it commercial-free wherever you get your podcast. Just search on the line, or you can go to ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You can find it commercial-free right there after the show. But here at hour number two, we're going to talk some more Auburn basketball, get into some Auburn football as well, as Auburn continues to do more work in recruiting, transfer portal, all that good stuff. We're going to get into that in just a few minutes. And then at 3.30, we're going to talk to Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Al kick we'll talk to him uh he's got about 15 minutes or so so we'll get to talk to him about everything going on in the sec i uh, definitely want to get his thoughts on on sec basketball uh the terrible news out of tuscaloosa uh there's just all kinds of stuff going of on athens right too, now yeah. and out of athens yeah exactly I, mean, I was getting to that the news out of athens it's it hasn't been a great highlight weekend for the SEC off the floor and off the court, but uh, we'll get into all of that with Trey Wallace coming up in about 30 minutes or so. But phone lines are open until then. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. And Carter, you were doing some research and doing, and you've got a stat. It's your favorite thing to do is come up with crazy stats that are true. They are stats. You just find the ones that nobody else knows about this one is about your favorite player (laughs) kd johnson so i've already given the stat that what he's four for 23 in his last uh 23 three-point attempts dating back from the memphis game to today uh which is 17.4 percent if i were to ask you what is the best thing kd johnson does on the basketball court what would it be run Okay, I would I would say I would say get <laughs> to, get to the basket. Okay, yeah. To the free Offensively, throw, yes. Get, get to the free throw line. Get to the basket. Get to the free throw line. Yeah. Because in big spots, when when he's been at his best, there have been stretches where Auburn has gone completely stagnant on offense. Momentum's going away from Auburn, and the one thing you know that you could rely on. This happened a bunch last year. I think to to the uh, UConn game where KD Johnson need somebody step up and he's making ISO. layups. He's getting to the free throw line. He's doing a great job of that. I think that's the best thing he does when he's going to the basket, when he's getting to the free throw line. Through the first 12 games of this season for him, because he did miss one game, he missed the Georgia State game, um, he shot 46 free throws, and he hit 36 of them. That's good for three three makes a game on 3.83 attempts. From that point on, how many free throw attempts do you think he is averaging over the last four games? One and a half. Half a free throw again. Wow. He has shot two free throws, and he missed both of them. Yeah. He is a solid free throw shooter. He is a seven, He was 78% until he missed both against uh, Ole Miss. But he's a 75% free throw shooter. He's a guy that has the ability to get to the free throw line five, six, nine times a game. If if he does the thing that he's he does well, Wendell Green, that's been my my biggest praise of him over the last three games, is he's getting to the free throw line. He's because he's a good free throw, throw shooter line. too. He is as I, he might lead the SEC in free throw percentage. I don't don't that know I don't if that's that true. I don't know. I know he's over eighty percent. He's but he great. is a yeah. really good free throw shooter, and he's been money from the line here over the last three games, and he's gotten to the line a bunch. He went to the line what eleven times at Ole Miss. I, think and seven times on Saturday which is what point guards do that's what point guards do the one thing with the way that Katie Johnson has been radically inefficient shooting the basketball the way that he can't hit a three right now 
he needs to get to the free throw line because he because he's at his best going to the rim, and he's got a line twice in the last four games. Twice. That's not good enough. He's played 19, 20, 20, and 17 minutes. The minutes have gone down a little bit when he's been not been playing well, but twice is not enough. Especially when you have games this year where you've gotten to the line. He's gotten to the line seven times in a game, four different times this season. Yeah, and when he is obviously not making threes because he hasn't been making them all season, when he's not forcing turnovers, when he's not getting rebounds, and when he's not getting to the free throw line, he is a detriment when he's on the floor. And it sounds negative and it sounds bad, but when he's not doing the things that he used to do and that we know he can do and that he has been good at in the past, then why is he playing? And that's the thing, because I think there's other minutes to be spread around because I like KD Johnson and I like his energy. Him and Dylan Cardwell have that energy where they literally can be 0 for 10. And when they make that one shot, they go crazy and they get the they get the fans riled up. Dylan Cardwell had that on Saturday. He had two points off of a tip-in putback and he lost his mind. You would have thought he just won the lottery, right? <laughs> that's what those guys bring when they're on the floor. They bring energy, but but right now... Katie Johnson's not bringing the energy. He's not doing the things that he can do to bring energy to this team. I agree. And and I hate it because we know he can do those things. And we know that he has the ability to do them. I just don't know why it's not happening. And again, I think Katie Johnson, there's a role for him on this team. I'm glad he is not starting. I think he's played, he was playing better when he got put to the bench. He's not playing great right now, but... I mean, I'm the the one thing I will give him credit for. Save the Arkansas game. The shot attempts are going down. He went two of ten against Arkansas, but he's only shot at five. He shot five times against Georgia, five times against Ole Miss, and five times against Mississippi State. But the makes aren't going up. When he's well, he he made one against Georgia, two against Ole Miss, and two against Mississippi State, which is better than going two of ten against Arkansas. It's better than That's going fair. five of fifteen. Uh, against Memphis, like against high major teams this year, especially he has not shot the three well. He's uh, five of twenty eight. Like I, I just think that there's more efficient ways for him to utilize his skill set right now, and it's not shooting threes, and it's not being a high volume shooter. If he's going to shoot more than five times, I want five of them at least at the rim, and I want to see him get to the free throw line at least four times a game. At I'm with least, you because that's how he can help this team right now. I'm with you. And you look at Auburn's schedule coming up, Auburn basketball, on the road at LSU Wednesday night, tomorrow night, on the road at South Carolina this coming Saturday, home next Wednesday for Texas A&M, on the road at West Virginia next Saturday for the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and then back home for Georgia uh, that following Tuesday, I believe, the 1st of February. Those five games are not only winnable for Auburn, I said this at the end of the first hour, those are must-wins, I think. These are games for Auburn where you are better than all of those teams, you're more talented than all of those teams, you're better coached than all of those teams. Those are games you have to win. And an SEC conference that has been questionable this year, it's been up and down, it's been streaky this year, I look at that five-game stretch, and you know who the toughest game on it is right now? Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M might be sneaky good. The I think, second one I think, is Georgia. I think they are carrying a lot of confidence. 
I mean, I'm still going to say at West Virginia. I mean, is going to be tough. It'll be tough. It's, it's a long road. I guess trip I was I was thinking SEC. I, I guess I wasn't including West Virginia in that. Although but it's it, there. They cannot buy a win right now. Who's West Virginia? Play. Oh no, I know they they're are, struggling. They are zero and five in Big Twelve yeah. play, um, and they've got two ranked teams in a row with TCU and Texas. Then they go on the road to Texas Tech. So there's a scenario when Auburn goes to West Virginia that they have dropped eight in a row. But they will be ready when an SEC team rolls in. A ranked SEC team as long as Auburn doesn't drop the ball in the next week and a half. So Auburn better be ready because these next five games are winnable, but they're also losable. And if you're not ready and if you don't play your best basketball, Auburn can drop games that, Carter, they just simply can't afford to drop. Because you look at what February holds for this team, oh boy. It's going to get the, really, really tough. The LSU game tomorrow is so critical to me because road wins in the SEC are so, so, so massive. Getting that win, you should be able to, even without Chris Moore, if Chris Moore doesn't play on Saturday, you should be able to beat South Carolina. South Carolina's not a very good team. They're just not. So then you have those, if you pick up those two wins this week, I think... This is a gut. I have no information on this. I think Chris Moore is back for Texas A&M. And you're at home. That game's going to be really hard. But I think Auburn can win that. And then if, if Chris Moore is back and you're in a flow, you need Chris Moore back in a flow. You need back in the rhythm that you, that you kind of had going against Arkansas and against Ole Miss when the Tennessee game comes around. Because that's going to be a test. Yeah, Tennessee is beatable. They're beatable. They're really good, but they're also beatable because you saw a Kentucky team that was kind of floundering go to Tennessee and beat them this past weekend. And they played well. Kentucky played well. Tennessee did not. We'll get into more of that uh, maybe tomorrow. We'll talk more about just other results around college basketball. Uh, But want to get into, we've been talking Auburn basketball. We'd love to hear from you at 334-321-1390. But I do want to get into a little bit of Auburn football because there is some news coming from Hugh Freeze and company. Um, Surprise, surprise, they have not stopped. Surprise, surprise, they continue to do what they do and get guys to commit, get guys on campus. They've got guys saying visits were 10 out of 10s. It's been a good weekend. It's been a solid weekend, if you will, for Hugh Freeze and company over at the Athletic Complex. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. you didn't have the same fireworks that you had, um, I guess, on the previous couple weekends where it felt like Auburn was picking up a commitment every six or seven hours. Uh, You pick up Austin Keys, the Ole Miss transfer linebacker. Huge. Big guy, 6'2", 241. I don't think the stats jump off the page that much for you, but I think he's a really good athlete, and I think there are people um, in NFL circles that think he is a really good athlete and could have a breakout caliber year. Last year, 39 tackles, 3.5 for loss, 2 sacks. Uh, Played limited minutes in his uh, redshirt freshman, limited snaps in his redshirt freshman year with uh, 12 tackles in 2021 and a fumble recovery. I think he's somebody who walks in, has that SEC West experience, uh, has a lot of snaps, will probably start. I think he and Demario Tolan, for me, will start in this linebacking core. Oh, I agree. Uh, Cam Riley's probably there. I'm, And we're not even sure Auburn's done 
at the linebacker position because you had Nick uh, Jackson on campus and you had uh, there's there's been some speculation about uh, Spates the mm-hmm. I think it's, is it Omar Spates the Oregon State linebacker um, who is in the portal as well there are names out there that Auburn can continue to add it certainly feels like Auburn's basically done because tomorrow is the final day to enroll in classes at Auburn, I believe. Um, I guess you could see Auburn add somebody. I don't think they're going to add a quarterback right now. Uh, Which they, has been the they, feeling. If right? they were going to add somebody, you would see some movement tonight on Spencer Sanders, I would imagine. Yeah, um, but it, it's kind of been the feeling that Auburn, when they missed out on a couple, right, missed out, backed out, there's some different situations. But it seemed like once all of that sort of once all that dust sort of settled it was like okay the feeling then became let's wait until the spring to see who enters the portal and let's go after somebody then they will need a fourth guy they will go get a fourth quarterback for this quarterback room and i bet you um depending on how the spring goes you may see auburn swing really big in that may period uh but i think they should if robbie ashford just wows and impresses uh all spring practice maybe you can take a a little bit more of a flyer on a on a young guy that may have a really high ceiling but needs some time to to develop um but i think it'll be interesting to watch this spring i still do not expect tj finley to be on this roster uh i don't think he fits the offense i don't think uh i don't i don't see that working out for tj finley at auburn i expect him to be on the move i think auburn's going to add potentially another lineman in that may portal period i think that they're going to probably add another receiver i would imagine yeah well i was listening obviously and an on, edge and an, edge, and an sure. edge yeah well i was listening on friday obviously when i was making my way to glenwood when you had uh zach blackerby of locked on auburn and auburn daily sit in on the show he was talking about robbie right he is he's more on the robbie ashford he side is very high on robbie more like more so I'm than the ceiling of robbie i think robbie can be really good really really the key good. word there is can he can be really good i think he needs time i think he needs time I'm with and you. i don't think it's there's some expectations out there i saw um mike g of the the war rapport put I out on I twitter yeah, i saw this saying that or it was a clip of a video that they had or something where he said if if hugh freeze is what what we say he is as a quarterback developer robbie ashford needs to be a Heisman candidate or a first-team All-SEC caliber guy, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. I think he will be much better if he is the starter than he was in 2022 because you're going to have an offense that's going to fit his skill set. You're not going to have... You're not going to fit a square peg in a round hole running a drop-back pro-style more kind of offense that you saw Brian Harson run. You're going to see them utilize his athletic ability, him use his speed, use his legs. They're going to make it easier on him. He's going to have a better offensive line. I think he's going to look a lot better. I think it is unrealistic to say he needs to be an all-SEC caliber quarterback. I don't think that's that's fair to Robbie to put those expectations out there. And I also think it's foolish to act like if Auburn doesn't have an all-SEC quarterback in 2023, that Q Freeze is some fraud when it comes to developing quarterbacks. He's done it everywhere he's been. He's gotten good quarterback play. I mean, he got good quarterback play out of Bo Wallace. 
Uh, he got great quarterback play out of Malik Willis at Liberty. Uh, look, he, he took his third-string quarterback to Fayetteville this year and upset Arkansas. Like, he can figure it out, and he can get high-level quarterback play. I think the expectations need to be somewhat realistic, though. I want to give my thoughts on the quarterback situation in the transfer portal and Robbie Ashford when we come back. If you'd like to give your thoughts on it, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. More on the Auburn quarterback, Robbie Ashford transfer portal situation when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Talking the Auburn quarterback situation, it's a conversation that has been sparked up by Auburn fans over the last couple of weeks. And it's 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 come up because of Auburn's success in the portal and not going after a quarter well I shouldn't say not going after one they have not gotten a quarterback in the transfer portal just yet it is it's not from a lack of effort I can uh, I can promise you that but they have not landed one yet and now the conversation has become should Auburn go after a transfer portal quarterback and I want to give my thoughts on this Carter was just talking about it a little bit before we went to the break and I'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 Robbie Ashford is really really talented it's something we have talked about quite a bit it's something that a lot of people understand Robbie Ashford is extremely talented and Robbie Ashford has potential to be really really good at Auburn or he could be really really good somewhere else I'm not saying he's leaving right now I'm not saying he's leaving he's leaving at all I don't either But I'm saying Robbie Ashford has that potential to be really, really good with the right coach, with the right staff, with the right system, with the right players. Robbie Ashford can be really, really good. And he's a solid player right now. But he's got some things to work on. Let's just be honest. Don't forget that Robbie Ashford's throwing ability was not all that good. Don't forget that. His athleticism is good. He kept you in games you can see where he can be really solid. I think it is fair to expect a significant jump after the season, what we know about the injuries he went through. I agree. I think he had an injury on his throwing hand. I think he had a throwing shoulder injury. All of those things play into him not being as effective of a passer as we could have seen in 2022. Um, He needs to get healthy. I think the offensive line's a lot better. I think the weapons will be better. I think... Everything about the offense will fit him better. There's reasonable expectation for a significant jump forward. Right, which is where I was going a little bit was he was injured. He had basically no help on offense in front of him. He had a really good running back, a couple of really good running backs, but they weren't able to do anything because of the lack of help around them. So Robbie Ashford is going to take a step forward between right now in the end of spring practice through the summer. That is going to happen. I, I truly believe Robbie Ashford will be better in six months or four months, five months, whatever you want to say, than he is right now because he has Hugh Freeze and a system and a staff that will make him better because they've proven they can do it. But just because he's going to get better does not mean he's going to be so much better that he is ready to start in the SEC West on an Auburn team that is going to be much improved around him in an SEC West that could be wide open yeah that does not mean that Auburn cannot go and get somebody out of the portal for competition competition never hurt anybody 
and I know this has been a it's been a common take for a lot of people is go get a quarterback because competition will make everybody better and if Robbie doesn't like the competition then he wasn't your guy anyway I agree I agree with all of that but a point that you brought up late last week that I think is very important injuries happen injuries happen a lot and having more than just one guy yeah Auburn Arkansas uh, it happened at Kentucky, happened at Alabama, just in the SEC. Yeah. It happened at times at Florida. I mean, it happens all over the place. And having more than one quarterback, one capable quarterback, is a must in today's college football. It's a must in the SEC. It's a must in the SEC West. Go look at TCU's schedule and half the schedule. The team they played had to turn to a back quarterback, sometimes a third-string quarterback, because of injuries. Exactly. You need depth, and right now, if you roll into 2023 with Robbie Ashford, Holden Gurner, and Hank Brown, I don't think that's enough because I don't know where Gurner and Brown are, how close they are to being ready for SC action. I'd assume Brown is just... Brown's probably going to need two years. Oh, he's, he's going to be fresh. Because he's, he's not going to be on campus this spring. Right. Because that is huge to me. If he was on campus this spring, maybe we could have a conversation about him being ready in a year, year and a half. I just don't think that that's realistic. I don't think uh, Holden... Holden hasn't shown me anything. I know he's got arm talent. I know he was an Elite 11 quarterback. I know he was somebody Harson loved and said that he would... One of his sales pitches was that he could be an All-American caliber guy. We haven't seen it. I want to see him after the spring, right? I want to see him after the spring. I think I think you will see a much improved uh, version of Robbie and Holden. I agree. And, and I, am, I am excited about that. And that's what's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. But you still can't go into the season with the, just those three in my mind, especially because that's, that's going to affect how you use Robbie. If you only have three, you're not going to run him that much. If you have another guy that you know you can turn to, that you feel confident in, then that frees you up to use Robbie the way he's the most effective. Exactly. And if Auburn doesn't go and get another quarterback in the portal, I'm worried. I'm going to be worried. Not that I'm not confident in Robbie Ashford. I'm not fully confident in him to be your starter come fall. Doesn't mean he can't be. Doesn't mean he can't be. But the things that we just talked about, it's never a bad idea to have a backup or a plan B, or maybe that guy ends up being your plan A because maybe he's better right now. Maybe he's just better right now, and we don't even know who that guy is because he's not in the portal yet, in my opinion. It's a guy that's on a roster somewhere right now with multiple good quarterbacks on the roster, and maybe this guy just doesn't win out. Maybe this guy just doesn't get the spot, but it doesn't mean he's not good enough. Everybody's favorite hypothetical Auburn quarterback. Yes, Brock Vandegrift yep. at Georgia. Yep. Two of the guys in that room are going to lose that quarterback job, whether it's Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, or Gunnar Stockton. That's 14 stars of high school quarterback right there. I would assume if, if Vandegrift or Beck loses that job because they've been there so long behind Stetson Bennett, one of them hits the portal. Theoretically, Stockton could do the same thing. Less likely because he's younger. Um... Uh, but, I mean, there, there will be guys. I mean, you look at Walker Howard, a talented guy who right now is in the portal. Um, at one point, Auburn, I think, was a place that was mentioned. Now I think it's down to – it sounds like it might be Ole Miss, hmm. which 
is fascinating because they're also after Spencer Sanders. And if Auburn doesn't take Spencer Sanders, it sounds like Spencer Sanders is there. I think what's interesting is you can't roll out Grayson McCall. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the ace in the, in the back pocket of all of this is if Grayson figures out his academic stuff, he could be a late summer ad and potentially win that job still. Which would be kind of crazy, and I don't know where Auburn wants to go. We've got a lot of time to talk about it and figure it out, but we've got to get to a break. When we come back, we'll have Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Welcoming in our Tuesday guest, it is Trey Wallace who covers the SEC for OutKick. Trey, happy Tuesday, man. It's been a minute. Happy Tuesday, guys. Uh, it, it has. Last week was just filled with miserable travel <laughs> on the way back from Los Angeles. And uh, I think I... I think we landed in Knoxville at 2.30 in the morning. Oh, so it was wow. a, uh, a long 17-hour day of traveling. Boy. That is so, horrible. Travel issues <laughs> aside, how was the entire trip and everything? You know what? It was, um, it was good. It, Los Angeles is so spaced out. I, I give credit to the college football committee. Uh, you know, the media hotel was, was good. We, we had everything that we needed. Uh, everybody can congregate there, but as you guys know, you know, it's just, it's so big, mm-hmm. LA is so big and, and there's so many different events around the city. Um, just a little bit too spaced out for me, a little bit too big. Like I, because I, I got, you know, we, we get, um, you know, we, we get spoiled with Atlanta. We get spoiled with Indianapolis, you know, places like that where, where everything is just right there within walking distance and, you get out to LA and it's a, uh, it's a cluster. So, um, but it was, uh, it was a good time. It was a nice way to cap off the season with a horrible football game, <laughs> uh, along with the rain that was coming into the stadium, which made it even crazier. So can't believe it's over. Uh, but as you guys know, college football, uh, it never ends. Yeah. Especially in this town, college football just never sleeps. Trey, your, your just overall takeaway from the 2023 football season from around the SEC. Obviously we see Georgia win back to back. Uh, we see, are there possible cracks in the Nick Saban, Alabama dynasty? We've seen teams who underperformed, overperformed, all that stuff. Just your final takeaways from the 2022 college football season around the SEC. You know, so many close games, so many, so many big time games that were, you know, maybe not, maybe the final score doesn't indicate it, but going into the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, there's close ones. You know, you, you look at, you know, look at Tennessee, Alabama, look at LSU, Alabama, look at Kentucky, Ole Miss. Um, I could go on and on uh, with games that, that just came down to the wire that were fun. You know, the egg ball. You know, just naming a couple. I, I think that, you know, Kentucky took a step back this year when a lot of people had them, you know, fighting Georgia and the SEC East towards the end of the season. And um, you look at Alabama, the way that they lost games, like I don't want to say Alabama's dynasty's over or their run's over or anything along those lines. They're going to retool. They're going to be just fine next season. 
Um, it, it, it's the way that they lost some of those games that were intriguing to me, uh, especially the one in Knoxville and the new ones you see in, in, in Baton Rouge. Um, and, and there were other close ones. I mean, let's, Ole Miss was close to, 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 to winning that game. Texas A&M had an opportunity. A lot of parity outside of Georgia in the SEC this season. Um, and, and, and it was interesting. Like, you know, the whole year, you know, I was at that Auburn-Penn State game. And, you know, right after that game, I'm thinking, okay, when are they firing Harson? You know, when's that going to be over? I start making phone calls. And, you know, so half the season was trying to figure out what the next move Auburn was going to make. And, you know, you, you look around the conference. And then towards the end of the season, well, what's the story? The story is South Carolina knocking off Tennessee and then knocking off Clemson. Um, you look at the downfall of Florida this year that just did not turn out the way. So there were there were plenty of storylines. LSU and Brian Kelly, look what they did with Jaden Daniels. Um, and then I think the biggest one, and I think we're all going to agree here, um, is just the the atrocity that we saw out of College Station with Texas A&M. Just how bad they were playing after that loss to Appalachian State. Yeah. They ended the year with a win against LSU, but whatever. That, that team was very bad, poorly coached. Offensively, they were a mess. And, uh, you know, the, they, they expect to be contending for a playoff spot in College Station. And I, I just – I don't even see it next year. So, mm. lots, of, lots of wild things in the conference. Trey, I've, I've seen a little bit of a narrative kind of pop up here in the last – week week and a half that if you take Georgia out of the SEC it really was a down year for the conference is that fair to say or was the conference just a little more even a little deeper than we've seen in previous years I, I think it was a little bit deeper I, I don't know if you, want, if you want to say down like the biggest story outside of Georgia this year up until the South Carolina game was the University of Tennessee and them coming out of nowhere so I I don't I don't know how a lot of folks could say it was down or there weren't the storylines, you know, yeah. Like Arkansas maybe didn't have the year that we expected under KJ Jefferson. Um, you know, Ole Miss goes on that losing streak to, to end the season in the craziness that ensues with Lane Kiffin and Auburn and whatnot. I, I think there were a lot of storylines. I don't think it was a so-called down year because at one point, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was the first week of November. I mean, there were five teams ranked in the in the, the top 25 mm-hmm. out of the Southeastern Conference. So, you know, saying it's a down year, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. There were problems with teams, um, and, and I think that they, you know, they came to fruition. I think, you know, the whole Will Levis, Chris Rodriguez thing at Kentucky where – they did not strike with the irons hot with, with all the talent that they had. I think that's something that they're going to come back and they're going to regret later on down the line. But, man, they, it was storyline for days uh, in the SEC this year. Speaking with Trey Wallace, he covers the SEC for Outkick, joins us here on the show every Tuesday here on ESPN 106.7. As we move out of the 2022 uh, college football season in the SEC. Obviously, uh, basketball is in full swing. There's been a couple of storylines over the last couple of days that are just 
uh, terrible, heartbreaking things to talk about around the SEC. Of course, one out of Tuscaloosa and one out of Georgia. Just your your thoughts on on what has been happening in some of these SEC towns. Uh, you got caught off at the at the last spot. I'm sorry. Oh, I was saying. Uh, unfortunately, there's a couple of news stories around the SEC that um, are just yeah. uh, heartbreaking, and, and just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on those. Yeah, just tragedy at Georgia. Just um, man, you know, you you. I had you know, and, and I had a chance to interview. Um, you know, when, when we were out in California, I had a chance to interview Devin Willock and. There's a video on there of, of him and his teammates talking about, you know, what was their post-game meal, Waffle House, Applebee's. They were joking around, having fun. And, man, seven days later, you know, him, a staffer, unfortunately, lose their life in, in a horrible car accident. And, you know, it, it breaks your heart, man, it, it, for, for a young kids like that um, to, to lose out in the rest of their lives. That, you know, and, and you're coming off celebrating – a a national championship, and you go from those highs to that low as a team. You know, I think that is you know, tragic. There aren't words to really put that into to characterize. And then you see what happens at the University of Alabama uh, with Darius Miles um, throwing his life away, I think is probably the best way to put that. Um, Such so a tragedy for the young lady, uh, the young woman that passed away with, with a child, uh, I think a five-year-old child, just mm-hmm. a senseless act um, that happened, and and you have to, you know, in in this day and age, guys, you got to look at it from both sides of it too. You know, um, you know, a young man, a young woman loses her life, and a young man like like Darius Miles, let's be honest, he, he's lost his life now too. I mean, not not you know by death, but he will spend you know probably the next thirty years in jail. You know, so he. He threw away what he had, and um, it just been a it was a wild forty eight hours in the conference when it comes to tragedies, and um, you know let, 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 let's hope we go a while where we don't have to experience that again. But you know, lots of answers. Unfortunately, we're in the business of you know asking the questions and, and wanting to find the answers on on both events, and uh, and those will come with time. But I urge people just to let the people grieve uh, during this time, and, and the answers will come down the road. Very well said from Trey Wallace. He covers the SEC for OutKick. He joins us every Tuesday here on On the Line. Just want to uh, ask you about the SEC and basketball real quick. I know you got to run, uh, but it's been oh, it's been it's been wild in the SEC in basketball where we've seen teams uh, who should have won big games who did not, and we've seen teams who should have gotten blown out uh, go in and win big games. Take South Carolina, who who knows what in the world they are. You see Kentucky go on the road and take down Tennessee and Thompson Bowling on Saturday. What in the world's going on in the Southeastern Conference in basketball, man? Well, I don't know, but I love it. I'll take <laughs> it. Um, I mean, give me, give me chaos. Give me great games. Give me, you know, it wasn't a good game in Knoxville between Tennessee and Kentucky. That was that was an ugly offensive performance. But then you look down the road, Vanderbilt knocking off Arkansas, Florida beating Missouri. Um, I mean, I could go on. Uh, Auburn. You know, to me, playing some some good basketball now, starting to figure some things out. Um, you look at the schedule tonight. You know, you got Ole Miss, South Carolina. You know, both teams struggling. Tennessee playing Mississippi State. 
that's a rematch that just happened. You know, if I, I think it was two weeks ago that those two teams played. Uh, and then the one tonight that, that really intrigues me, guys, Alabama going to Nashville to play a Vanderbilt team that just knocked off Arkansas, who is playing better. I think Vanderbilt mm-hmm. and Jerry, I thought they played good against Tennessee last week. Um, so, to me, I don't want to call it a trap game, but I will say I'd be paying attention to the SEC Network around 8.30 tonight uh, <laughs> when Alabama and Vanderbilt play. Vanderbilt's a, a, a gritty group. Um, and then that other one, you know, what's Kentucky do? Kentucky, you know, yeah, they beat Tennessee on Saturday. But this Kentucky team is a little out of whack. Um, there's there's something going on here. It's not just the players. I think some of it has to do with the coaching. I think what Calipari's doing. You know, one minute Kentucky fans are calling for Calipari to go take the Texas job. The next minute they're loving him for beating Tennessee. But then I promise you, once they lose a game they're not supposed to, like maybe to a Georgia team tonight, you know, it, it just – things could flip on a dime. So, look, this is why I love college basketball. I love college basketball almost as I love college football. Um, we're we're going to get some great matchups in the conference tomorrow night. Uh, that Auburn-LSU game should be a fun one down in Baton Rouge. Uh, and then we get Arkansas, Missouri, Florida, Texas A&M. This is the best time of year, man. You know, it's it just the football's coming off. You're trying to come off that high of the season. Now we roll right into the conference play of, of college basketball. Uh, I'm excited. Bring it on. I think we're going to see a lot more upsets this year. And I think by the end of the season, you know, you're going to see teams that are getting the first round by, maybe the top four teams that maybe one or two of them you weren't expecting. So uh, bring on the craziness that is SEC college basketball. Trey, don't want to keep you too long, but I guess yeah, since, yeah, since we have talked to you last Auburn's made a ton of moves in recruiting and the transfer portal. What have you seen out of that? Just quickly, what are your thoughts on how Hugh Freeze has acquired all this talent here over the last few weeks? I thought he's he's done a really good job of doing it defensively, uh, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I mean, that's a spot. We we all saw the defense last year. Mm -hmm. There were spots along that defensive line that needed to be shored up. I think even the linebacker spot, uh, defensive secondary, needed to be shored up a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how they roll with the quarterback position um, going into the to, to winter workouts in the spring. You know, I see T.J. Finley is technically back on that roster right now. Is, is you know what's what's that going to look like? You know, giving a run towards Robbie. You know, can 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 Auburn? You know, my biggest thing too is I think Hugh Freeze. I think he wants to get to, you know, he, he would have liked to have found like a really good quarterback, you know, in, in this last, in this open period that we were in. But I think now you have an opportunity where go out in spring practice, see what you need. And I think you're going to see Auburn probably add four to five more transfers after spring practice. I do. They're, they're leaving some spots open right now. Um, I think that's smart. You see that a lot of teams I'll use, um, I'll use Tennessee as an instance. Um, uh, Josh Heifel's first year, he got to Tennessee. Well, he didn't go crazy, you know, in the transfer portal to start. But once that spring period hit, he went and got uh, uh, Kamal Haddon, which which folks know, Brandon Turnage mm-hmm. um, at, at the quarterback position, found a linebacker, found a quarterback. You know, so I look for, for Hugh Freeze and that staff to maybe do something like that come spring. So if you don't like what you saw, 
out of the transfer portal period right now, which is going to end on the 18th. Um, don't don't freak out. That's why they have that 15 day period uh, right after spring practice. So good for Hugh Freeze and that staff putting together something that I think is going to be beneficial for next season. Well, Trey, I think Auburn fans are pretty impressed so far, but they'd love to see a little bit more in that spring window. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick, he joins us every Tuesday here on the show. Man, we appreciate you and your time every single week. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Uh, follow all my work at Outkick.com. Uh, just bumping out some stuff, man. We're, we're, we got basketball. Heisman odds uh, have come out for next season, Uh-oh. which is kind of mind-blowing once you see that tomorrow and uh man we're also uh about a month away from college baseball yes starting up so bring on it all boys mm-hmm. i'm excited and i look forward to joining you guys next week thanks for having me we appreciate, appreciate it trey. trey that is trey wallace who covers the sec for outkick again he joins us every tuesday here on on the line he has great stuff and we really do appreciate him joining us every single week let's get to our final break we'll come back and wrap up the tuesday edition of on the line here on espn 1067 you are on the line on espn 1067 Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Big thank you to Trey Wallace. Again, he uh, writes for OutKick covering the SEC. And, uh, man, I hate that he was caught up in all that uh, flying madness that anybody who was going to the national championship game, got caught up in. Obviously, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Uh, he was not able to join us last week because he was in the middle of all that craziness. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully trying to get him on. I'm sure we will get him on tomorrow uh, to talk all things Georgia athletics. But um, again, big thank you to Trey Wallace. I thought he had some really um, good words to say about just the the tragedies and the horrible news that we've had over the last couple of days around the SEC Uh, he had some really good things to say about that and then talking about Auburn uh, recruiting talking SEC basketball so if you missed any of that interview or if you missed any of today's show be sure to go and catch up with the podcast you can find it at ESPNAU.com click on the podcast center you can find it commercial free right there right after the show or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast it'll be up there as well We've talked a lot of Auburn basketball. Uh, We've gotten into some Auburn football as well. Uh, It's been a great show. And again, if you missed any of it, uh, please go and catch up with the podcast commercial free again, just wherever you get your podcast. Search on the line or at ESPNAU.com. Carter, you want to make some picks for tonight in the SEC before we get out of here? Oh, sure. All right. Let me pull up the games. Yeah, so Ole Miss at South Carolina. Both teams, eight and nine. Rebels favored by five and a half, 530 in the SEC network. Uh, you know, because it's a South Carolina home game, I think Ole Miss gets their first conference win. Mm, I'll take Ole Miss as well. And I think they do it going away because South Carolina's two road games in conference (laughs) play, they have an upset of Kentucky in Rupp and an overtime loss at Vandy. And they've been beaten by 84 combined points in their two home games. Do you think fans show up tonight? No shot, right? No shot you show up to that game. This one's outside of the SEC, but it's probably the biggest game of the night. Number two, Kansas on the road at number 13, your favorite team, Kansas State tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN. That is a huge game in the Big 12. 
I love Kansas State, but I'm going to go Kansas. I think Kansas is really, really good. They got that win against Iowa State this past week, and I think they continue that momentum with a win over Kansas State. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to take Kansas as well. Kansas State did not look good against TCU on Saturday. Got blown out by like 20-something points. I don't think the total was that much, but they were down by 20 pretty much the whole second half. Give me Kansas on the road tonight. Tennessee at Mississippi State. This game was ugly last time. I think Tennessee bounces back from the loss to Kentucky. I think they get it done at the hump tonight. Yeah, uh, I I think Tennessee bounces back against a Mississippi State team that – Things have kind of spiraled on them a little bit, and I think uh, Tennessee's going to have a chip on their shoulder to to get back in the win column. Possible trap game in Nashville tonight. Does Alabama get it done? I think they do. I think it's really close. There's just so – like it's a weird environment playing at Vanderbilt, bench on the end of the baseline, um, and then you have all the distractions. I think Vanderbilt hangs in there, but I think Alabama squeaks out a win. I think Alabama rolls, man. I don't think anybody could keep up with them offensively right now, especially Vanderbilt. They're not going to stop them on the defensive end. And one of the biggest question mark games of the SEC schedule tonight, Georgia, Kentucky, in Rupp, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Am I crazy that I think Georgia, like, only loses this game by like four no because i'm with you i think georgia hangs out in this game i think they hang around i think they're there i think they're feeling good i think they'll have a chance to win this thing down the stretch give me kentucky because it's in rup but that's really all i got i think this will be a great game i really really do kentucky there's no line on this game for some reason maybe it's because nobody wants to touch kentucky minus 11 oh okay i'm looking at all right interesting give me georgia plus the points yeah i i agree that's it for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow. We'll have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, more Auburn basketball and football talk. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.